Hello and welcome to the Surgical Spirit Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Haider Al-Hakim, the Third Eye Doctor. Pull up a chair and get ready for some candid and uncompromising discussion with experts, innovators, agitators, and influential people from every corner of health and well-being. From inside the hospital to at home in the kitchen, we're leaving no stone unturned in our quest to uncover the secrets of healthier, happier, more successful, and less stressful lives. Thank you so much for joining us, and without further ado, let's meet this episode's guest. Hi, Sharina, how are you? Hello, hi, Haida. Nice to speak to you. Thank you for speaking to me today. No worries, no worries. I mean, it's, um, I think the last time we spoke uh, was sort of an informal chat, I think around um, uh, the winter time. Now we're sort of uh, in spring. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know how three or four months changes your lives quite drastically sometimes um, I had a pretty rough winter uh, my father passed away which um, was a kind of blessing in disguise really because normally winter for me is like an absolutely horrible time you know I have sads and and mm-hmm. I get really down and everything and then uh, you know, interestingly, when when my father passed away, uh, I spent a lot more time with my family and extended family, and we sort of came together a lot more than we'd normally uh, do. So that was really interesting because you know my relationship with my brothers and sisters has got better, you know, more than a hundred percent since my father passed away. So you know, I can look back at. Um, the winter of 2023 with a, you know, with a kind of positivity, <laughs> you know, look at things. Um, so that was quite interesting for me, you know, winter, because normally winter is just horrible for me. Yeah. I think winter, I mean, first of all, I'm so sorry, because obviously I saw your posts and um, you had such respect for your dad and, yeah. and having read your book as well. <laughs> oh, magic. Magic. You know, a, a part of your life, you know, motivated you. But as you say, sometimes when bad things happen, that something, you know, it it, it then sometimes it it triggers something else, and that that whole thing of community and family. Um, although winter times is often a time when we should stop and get together with family, you know. Um, I think I mentioned that talking about seasons, even, you know, if we start following, you know, if, if you look at the natural environment, everything sort of shuts down and you go internal. And I think, you know, it's cold and it's a time where we kind of maybe stop, rest. You know, there's there's different religious holidays, isn't there, around yeah. winter time. And it's a time for being with family and regrouping and resting. And I think that that is something that we all need yeah 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 i mean it's quite difficult here in the west because you're expected to just carry on as normal just like you know you're the busy um bee in 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 summer you're expected to be at that sort of energy level in in the winter as well which which i found you know uh, i find quite difficult actually you know getting out of bed and doing the whole things and you're expected to have 100 percent bee energy during December and January and February. That's true. There's a, there's a there's a lot to be said for how we work at the minute, though, isn't there? 
Well, yeah, I think it's all it's all for grabs at the moment. I think you know, with the current uh, uh, strike situation, and you know how COVID just changed the whole way that we think about working, and you know, think about that sort of home work dynamic and home work space. Um, I mean, I must say, I'm 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 still doing the traditional, you know, commuting to to the office and seeing the patients in the office. I haven't actually done, I mean, I've done some digital online work um, and, you know, that's, that's fine. Um, I think the commute has its, has its place. Like we, they talk about now the virtual commutes, you know, where, where at least otherwise you're just at home and separating from work, work and home life. And if you are working from home, it's good to actually get out, go for a walk, work, a walk and then find somewhere you know, set up your office or your working working space so you're having a division between the two. But obviously we still need, you know, the doctors, we still need to be seeing people. You know, it, it's never going to stop. No, 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 no. I mean, it's never going to stop until you're a patient and you eventually die. I think that's the only time <laughs> doctors stop seeing patients is when they can't physically yeah. move oh, their yeah. body or sort of be, be functional anymore. Um well, that's an interesting um, word, virtual commuting. That's the first time I've heard of that. Oh, yeah. So that's, I think, obviously, there's going to be whole new concepts coming up as more and more people start working from home, isn't it? And um, when you look, it, it's very easy to start blurring the lines if you're working at home all day, what's what's home, what's work. And I think the brain likes to compartmentalise things mm and separate things out so it can be healthier to have that sort of those boundaries and you know when you finish for the day I'm finished now that's it yeah I mean you the know. image that came to my mind is is it sort of wearing a sort of um, a VR headset and you know, <laughs> being stuck in traffic for about an hour as part of your commute <laughs> not not quite not quite <laughs> that would be quite yeah, yeah. interesting yeah just separating, I think, the home life from the work life. So it's like a transition sort of period. You've got to have a designated transition between home and then going into work. Um, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I've always been uh, commuting my whole working life. And, um, yeah, it, it's it's like a ritual, you know, for me. It's like, okay, I'm commuting now. I've got to do something in that commute whether it's I mean usually it was previously it was reading books um or listening to music now it's listening to podcasts I'm, I'm normally listening to podcasts on the commute um and it's awesome yeah I, I, this is it it's it's using your time I mean whether that's I, I think you've got to be aware now like like you I love listening to podcasts and I'm always wanting to learn it just feels like there's so much to know these days and podcasts it's a great way to do it but I do find sometimes that I realize I'm always on the go and yeah. I think the commute can be a good time as well just to switch off um and I don't I don't know if you are into meditation I didn't come across in in your book or not yeah but I mean I mean I try and I I I try and keep keep the book as a religious as possible, um, you know, because you know yeah. there are some religious sensitivities out there. Um, mm. So yeah, I mean, you know, part of my religion is sort of praying on a regular basis. Exactly. And, so prayer yeah. is a form, isn't it? Yeah. But just that 
switching off and um like but for me it's 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 breathing you know being even in terms of body scans you know just just being aware and just stopping because that's one of the things I think all of us don't do as much of which I mean that came to me sort of I, I had the usual where I I burnt out and had, had was forced to stop and I think one of the things that has prevented me going back to that is the fact that I meditate now every single day so like 10 minutes when I wake up is my minimum and even to the extent my son from he's only five but he knows not to disturb mummy while mummy's meditating if he comes in early um and that that does I think we we all we're all sort of on the go 24 7 I think if we if we don't stop we forget what's important to us or what 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 we need and that sort of spirals into just being constant 24 7 you don't get time to think you don't know what you want because you're just surviving and you're just firefighting all the time and I think we have to force ourselves to stop so whether that's through prayer or through some form of meditation or even just you know listening to music I think it's really important that we find time in the day to stop what got you started in uh, meditation um well, basically, so so when I when I burnt out, I I had an appointment um, at practitioner health, and I went in there a complete mess, feeling a failure, you know, because everyone else was managing other people. I only had one child, you know. Um, some people are working and they've got four children. You know, I'm a failure. What am I doing wrong? And I saw a lovely GP, Kate Little, and she she started asking me about my life and I realized that I was going to work so I dropped my son at nursery the commute to work um get there I was doing you know blood results before I started seeing patients doing things in between lunchtime I was doing paperwork I was pumping because I was still breastfeeding and then I was rushing in the afternoon trying to get finished stressing out that I wouldn't get back to pick up my son um coming home picking him up um you know sorting him out he was co-sleeping we were getting about four hours three four hours sleep a night and she just looked at me and was like well no wonder you know <laughs> what's happening so we came up with you know what different things could I do um and I I needed time off and it took a while to sort of come up with different strategies for what can I do for myself and I'd always been interested in meditation and I started looking into lifestyle medicine at that point and I used to tell people about it tell patients about it but never <laughs> never apply it to myself and it was small things so it was right I need to start connecting with friends and allowing people to look after and actually doing things for myself but one of the easy things that I could do for myself every morning was 10 minutes of meditation. And that was back in 2018. And I have done that ever since. So there was something in your book again, because I thought I'd better um, about, you know, mastering something if you've done 10,000 hours. And I thought, oh, I wonder how many hours of meditation I've done. 
I went on the car map and I had done um, 900 hours, which was disappointing. But I also, because now I use Insight Timer, which is another app, and I've done 400 hours of meditation on Insight Timer. But that has honestly saved me. And by becoming more mindful and doing meditation, it got me to recognize my emotions aren't me. So when I went back to work, say if I started feeling um, feeling angry or feeling stressed, you know, you know, you say, I'm angry, I'm stressed. No, I'm not angry, I'm not stressed. I'm noticing feelings of stress. I'm noticing feelings of angry, they're not me, right? I'm noticing them now, so now I'm gonna control that. So let's, you know, work on my breathing. Why am I feeling this way? And And just, it changes the way you think. And funnily enough, now, you know, doing lifestyle medicine, reading around it. Um, there's a really good book um, called Alter Traits, which is about meditation, but all the research now on how it changes the brain, it changes the way you think. Um, so yeah, it's it's something that I recommend to everyone now. And, and, and meditation wasn't a part of your life earlier to that, you know, it wasn't as if you had childhood experiences or, 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 or mystical experiences or anything like that in early childhood that got you interested in no I mean I was so my I um my dad is from South India um and they're all very strict Catholic there um so I came from a sort of a Catholic upbringing but like yeah I, I'm, I'm not religious I'm spiritual um so there was prayer and going to church and that sort of thing but no meditation as such I I was interested in Buddhism um, and started looking at it, but never really, never really experienced like or, or did it. Right, I think you need to build it up and do it regularly to see the benefits. So it was more of a sort of an intellectual pursuit rather than a sort of a practical, hands-on pursuit in terms of Buddhism. Yeah, I think so. yeah. Yeah, 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 or with Buddhism. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, I was just interested. I, yeah. I'm interested, you know, it's it's good to it's good to know about other beliefs and and yeah. and then the, the the Buddhism I like some of the ideas around it. Um like even even now, you know, I looking at Eastern medicine now is something I'm really interested in. Um just exploring. We you grow up, you know, you go to school, you have to do your exams, and then we go into medical school and in medical school we're told this is it this is the right way this is how it is and we believe it you know our truth right this is right this is how it's done and this is what we do and it's only when you have those beliefs challenged um and you start looking and you know now with 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 lifestyle medicine one of the big things is there's a whole module on physician health and I think, why in medical school do we not learn to look after ourselves? You know, you you we, we go and we we are looking after the health of our nation, all these doctors, and <laughs> probably generalizing, but you know, certainly I went to Charing Cross Medical School and it was wonderful. I I loved Charing Cross, it was pre-Imperial College, and um, you know, we were all drinking alcoholic we didn't sleep we ate fast food you know all these things and yet 
we are the people in charge, in charge of the nation's health. And it just, I don't know, maybe I'm sounding self-righteous, but <laughs> since since doing a lifestyle visit, but actually, God, you know, I need to be eating, I need to be sleeping, I need to be exercising, and I should be practicing what I preach. Yeah. And yeah. if it's hard to do, then I appreciate when I'm telling someone else to do it, how hard it is to do it. So how do you do it? And if you can do it yourself, then you can get other people to do it. When when was the first time you started challenging your belief in the supremacy of Western medicine? <laughs> um, okay, so funny story. I um I was a huge meat eater okay I didn't eat vegetables I um yeah I I literally used to eat a KFC bargain bucket when we went out drinking like I was terrible so anyway we got you're not the only bucket. one you know you're not the no, only no, one. I know I know yeah, we're, we're, we're all doing it you know how I live my mum woke me up every morning with a bacon sandwich that was my motivation to get out of bed was a bacon sandwich every morning you like, lucky woman <laughs> so we got house rabbits back in 2012 20 maybe 2014 and um 2012 and these rabbits so back then I would have eaten rabbit okay so these rabbits came along and they were identical and I was really surprised to find that they had a personality I don't know why I was surprised, but, you know, you could see if they were happy, sad. And I absolutely, I've still, one of them, he's he's 10, he's 11 this year. So he's still here. Um, absolutely fell in love with these rabbits. And I was like, oh, my God, I couldn't eat rabbit. And I decided I would give up meat for Lent. So I think that was 2013. And um, I did it. And I've never eaten meat again. But what happened, what happened is I had to sort of change how I eat. So back then I, I wasn't, because you can get loads of junk food, like vegan junk food, all the rest of it. But I, I started cutting out anything that had, I, I went completely vegan actually initially. So I cut out all dairy, but I was just eating fresh foods. And I started to cook, I was having more dal and all this kind of thing. And it, it wasn't for a health reason. It was purely just because I wanted nice food. And my weight dropped off. I had autoimmune hypothyroidism and I needed less and less thyroxine. And I felt better just through changing what I ate. So it's kind of a personal experience. And I was like, wow. And for some reason, that started making me look into things. And I realized how important nutrition was. And we're not taught really nutrition at med school and also looking at how it can reverse disease and then I think then I started reading Rongan Chatterjee's books um he's you know famous for his his stuff and so that's when I became interested but what I found as you start changing that belief I started changing other beliefs so even my political beliefs so I grew up, my dad was like a strong conservative supporter. I loved Margaret Thatcher. Yeah. <laughs> you know, she was, and my, even my political, my political beliefs changed. I started being more aware of the environment. Um, 
everything changed actually all from that one thing of just noticing the change when I ate because I was like I'll do this for Lent but there's no way I cannot eat meat you know I couldn't give up bacon sandwiches so I'll be I'll be going back but I didn't miss it and I started yeah it, it just changed how I felt it, it, it and it was one thing and it just triggered other things and so it made so you now, feel better essentially did you yeah did yeah, yeah I did and, and 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 it also made me question things so now I try and stay open and and you know if, if someone has a different opinion I'll always listen and I think we can get stuck in our own echo chambers can't we so we we have a belief and we look out for the things that confirm that belief and if there's something that's that we don't agree with we think no but look at all of this and I've seen that quite a lot so I I I've, I've joined sort of plant-based medics you know the um, plant-based community but I also you know I do have an open mind I don't force it on anybody um but then when there was a position for a lifestyle GP locally um I joined them to do group consultations they were reversing diabetes using um the low carb diet now but there they were very strict low carb low carb is the only way there's no other way and it was really interesting because I didn't agree with it but I went along with it because I thought well I can bring my views and they were open to my views too but it, it helps you to learn that you you know you can see other people's point of views and now I kind of take things from different places you know and and, and you get a more full picture than just sitting in your echo chamber and saying this is the way this is the only way yeah yeah I mean it's interesting what not normally when you do change the beliefs you go from a, you know, generally speaking, from a from a place of certainty into a place of uncertainty and 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 sort of unrest and and angst. Um, did you experience that, or did you manage to sort of curtail that that uh, personal I'm disaster? With the fact that I know nothing, um, I, think, okay. I think you know, <laughs> I'm I don't think anyone can know everything, and I. I also question people who <clears throat> give these lectures and say, no, there's no other way. This is the only way. And it's like, I think you have to be open mm. to other ways because it's the only way you learn. How can you ever be certain that something is one way? Mm. Um, Did it change your practice in in uh, <clears throat> general practice? Yeah. Um, so particularly along the lines of I started thinking, God, so I've worked in – you know, what's considered well-to-do areas. So I've worked in Guildford. And then for the last years I was in Ascot. I live in Wokingham. Um, and, <clears throat> you know, people are coming in and they're in high-stress jobs. They're having long commutes. Their blood pressure's through the roof. They're getting tension, headaches, IBS. And, you know, technically, conventionally, they come in, their blood pressure's sky high. You check them, how are you? All oh, fine, thank you, doctor. Your blood pressure's really high, you know. <clears throat> talk about lifestyle you know we, we, we also talk about lifestyle but then they're straight on medication whereas now it's like tell me what's going on in life well no wonder you know you're you're stressed you're going through divorce or this is happening that is happening let's look at sorting that out but if we can't maybe you need to go on medication but again you know you can't do that in 10 minutes and that's the problem with this antiquated that's why gps are burning out there's there's no time 
to do the job they want to do. There's moral injury because sometimes they're just surviving. And even though they know there's probably a lot more going on, it's quicker to prescribe a medication. I mean, I get the impression that the system's been rigged that way so that, you know, they're on polypharmacy. Or am I just being a bit cynical and no, I, and, and conspiracy I, theorist? I, I feel quite angry that there is clear evidence for, you know, exercise, diet, sort of from a non, you know, just from natural foods. But we are plagued by industry and, you know, the pharmaceutical industry, we've got the food industry. Um, and when you look at research, often you can see that it's, you know, you can make a study and someone can make a study and it's financed by a certain industry and they will prove that this works. Yet someone else can finance it, you know, it's financed by a different and they will prove that the opposite works and you know and that's what I found you know just just looking at different studies one minute something's good for you the next minute shows that something's bad for you and we're obsessed with with studies but I think we need to look at who's financing them sometimes yeah. and what the background is and and on that actually I always talk about the you know the eat well plate um I always get people to look at the Canadian eat well plate Okay, and compare it to the American and the UK Eat Well plate, because the Canada's Eat Well plate was the only place where the government decided to take away any sort of industry backing. So it's all purely scientific and it looks very different to the UK and the US Eat Well plate. How, how does it look different? Um, it's just more um, based on uh, whole foods. And so it talks about, um, you know, sources of protein and sources of calcium without necessarily saying you should buy this, you should buy that. It doesn't have any. I mean, if you look at our Eat Well plate, they have something like, you know, um, fizzy drinks or chocolate they still have it on the side and say in moderation it doesn't need to be there at all but it's mm. there you know and and that's because of industry involved in the uh yeah influence yeah mm. Mm. yeah i'm uh, yeah <laughs> i mean you know that the, there was a bit of a freudian slip there you said phar pharmaceutical injury so uh, you know that's quite <laughs> You know that's quite insightful, and 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 you know a lot of. Uh... It has its place. Don't get me wrong; it has its place, but I for just... sure, for sure, for oh. sure. Um, but you know, not to the extent where I, you know, we we spend most of our time in medical school just learning different therapeutics, and, and you think to yourself, yeah. I mean, I mean, yeah. that's the thing that put me off medical school a lot is I'm thinking to myself, I'm a bit of a a pill pusher here, um, <laughs> which is maybe why I went into surgery. Um, you know, there's less pill pushing but then there's device pushing and and you know instrumentation pushing and but you see you've got to the place where there's already a problem i think with you know the nhs is drowning we need to focus on prevention and yeah. i don't think prevention with medications <clears throat> is is the way forward we need to be looking at lifestyle 
Yeah, it's it's difficult because then it takes the doctor out of the equation. You know, you don't really need a doctor for prevention. I don't think. At the minute, we do. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you're right. We we don't need. Uh, I I actually I remember someone saying, but if everybody goes your way, you will not have a job. And I think good. You know, yeah. because if everyone's healthy, then good. I I, I think, you know, that we're always going to need doctors. But in terms of um, looking at, we, I think we need to, because the other thing is that we look at sort of mental health, we we look at cardi, um, cardiovascular health, we look at gut health. And now I think we're seeing more that it's it's all connected, yeah. um, you know, and, and what you eat and how you exercise influences yeah. a lot of it. You know, epigenetics is coming in now, so you can... You can say, oh, my, you know, my whole family, it runs in the family, so I'm going to get this. But actually, you can stop it. You could not switch on that gene with how you live your life. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, I mean, for sure. I mean, when, when I mean, I, mean, I did uh, medical school in the 90s, and it was literally, yeah, it was prevention didn't even come into the equation. And that's because society at the time wasn't as... Um, uh, what's the word? Well, the, there wasn't any communication or influence, um, widespread information, and we, you know, we didn't have uh, that many people in in the hospitals. <laughs> um, but I think um, prevention has to be number one now for sure. Prevention and sort of integrated approach. I think that has to be uh, the number one approach when it comes to healthcare. Um, and then you've got the other sort of two big things, which is sort of the digital world and then the sort of artificial intelligence. They're, they're, they're going to be, play a massive role in, in how healthcare is going to be delivered um, in the future. Um, but, you know, the pharmaceutical industry is very powerful. So they'll always find ways of making sure that their um, interests are upheld. Um, so you got interested in, in sort of all the plant based kind of medicine and and how did that fit in with with your i mean what was was that the reason for the burnout what was what was what was the reason for the burnout what what actually happened the reason for the burnout i think was i i, I look back and i i really did love being a gp and when you take away all the other stuff it is like one of the best jobs you know you meet people that whole cradle to grave thing but as time went on and I think it might have even happened pre-maternity leave like it was just getting busier and busier and I think society's changed as well and a bit like you said you know pe people are using the GP now rather than where there would be communities and you know like even someone breaks up with their boyfriend they come and see their GP and they they want antidepressants you know classic example um so it was changing but I I went off on maternity leave and came back and I do think I've got a lot of what's the word I feel for working mums because I think as women it's almost like you're expected to do it all. And I expected to do it all. I wanted to be the best mom, run a household and still be doctor, 
than I was. Um, Where but did that come I, from? I think, well, you know, with coaching, you talk about drivers, isn't it? I think, I think sometimes we, if you're, you know, you want to do the best job, you, you just, you know, whenever you do something, you want to do it well. Um, so I'm just one of those people that if I'm going to do something, I'm going to do it well. And one thing, you know, I have a baby now, like if I'm going to do anything right, it's going to be this, it's everything has to be perfect. You know, I mean, for the first year, I didn't let my son watch any screens, no TV. Um, <laughs> funnily enough, post burnout, I put him in front of the TV so I could have <laughs> to myself. But that was actually making me a better mum in the long run. Um, but yeah, so I, I think it was a combination of things. So now it's different. I think I think the NHS has changed so much that with with general practice in particular, there there is just so much expectation from the public. Um, there are more sort of hoops to jump through. There there's more paperwork. There's more stuff coming from the hospital. People are more complex. Um, so and there's just little time so but but back then I mean this was pre-covid I just think I it was doing too much I was I wasn't looking after myself and I mean when I look back I used to see 15 patients coffee break nine patients lunch and then 14 patients and that was you know, and that was making sure that I could leave by 10 past five so that I could pick my son up from nursery. That um, is a lot. Yeah, it was too much, you know. Um, so, yeah, and I, I, I think that particularly women working mums, we're all, we're all still sort of it does fall to us to run the household and I'm generalizing and there are plenty of house husbands or people that do 50 50 but as a general rule when a child gets ill it's usually the mum that has to sort it out and take the time off um and is juggling all things and it's often the mums that are doing the the shopping or doing the food and and all that mental load you know just Right. What what are we what are we out of? What needs doing? You know, what do they need to take to school? Oh, it's this day tomorrow. You know, and it's just constant. Um, and again, this is why we all need to sometimes just stop. Yeah. Yeah. And 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 um, what changed? I mean, what what is it that that sort of changed within you that that allowed you to kind of make the changes? Or was it a gradual process, uh, something difficult to put your finger on? I think I think it was a gradual process. So I went back. So I had my sessions at Practitioner Health. I felt a lot better. Um, I went back and obviously at work, they were very supportive because they didn't want to lose me. So I went back and I started with a phased return. And it built up and I felt better. But what, what I also noticed was um, where if people came in and say, patients can be aggressive, which never used to happen years ago. And it's not all, but it's, I mean, majority are absolutely lovely. You remember the ones that aren't, unfortunately. Um, 
and I still remember what made me quit uh, was I'd had a particularly bad day uh, just running late because I think I had someone who'd been suicidal and then I called somebody in and 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 they were basically just they they had um a dental abs they had something going on it was dental and we can't treat dental problems I'm not a dentist and they wanted more antibiotics and and I was explaining look I really don't know what's going on it doesn't look good you need to see a dentist and this patient refused to leave my room no and she's shouting at me I want antibiotic I'm not you know I said I'm not prepared I'm not covered medical legally to prescribe antibiotics for this I don't know what's going on you need to see a dentist there could be something serious going on and she kept shouting and it got to the point where previously just pre-burnout that sort of thing would have made me I would have had because what I used to get I used to get palpitations I used to feel myself shaking you know trying my heart racing and I remember sort of starting to get really wound up and thinking oh and and but I noticed it and I was thinking right no this is not you know don't let her <laughs> you know don't let it come to you stop and and I, I very calmly said to her if you don't leave my room I'm going to leave my room and she kept shouting so I got up and I walked out <laughs> and I went to the practice manager and I said look I can't I said I'm already running late I've got patients waiting um so I, I'm not dealing with her and so she was taken um one of the partners went and was talking to her and he was next door to me and I saw four more patients and during the whole time all I could hear was her shouting at him through that time and when I finished I felt awful so I, I went in I said oh you know are you okay and he just was really he said oh she'll probably complain and I was thinking no <laughs> that's not we you know this isn't good and and I went home that night and I said you know what uh, to my husband Andy I said I, I I'm not going to do this anymore I I I'm done and but it was a it wasn't a, a a sort of a split decision it was a a kind of a calm decision that actually I I need to step out but I had that I had the option because I was working for um a digital healthcare company. So in the background, I've worked for Babylon and, and now I work for Dr. Care Anywhere and I'm a clinical lead there. So because I had that, I had that sort of, I knew I could step away and still have an income. And what, what working for a digital health company as opposed to the NHS taught me was that there was another way of working. And weirdly enough, there it's changing now but there people were a lot more I think when people are paying for a service they tend to treat you differently um but there was just no stress and so that's what I did and that was just before Covid hit so I put my notice in at the beginning of 2020 <laughs> and so I did my three months notice and felt hugely guilty um, but then COVID hit and actually digital health then took off, didn't it? Um, so I, I worked for a little bit in the NHS, but but actually the, there was so much work online that because most people thought surgeries were closed, even though they weren't, um, that, that that took off. And it, it just showed me that there was another way to work.
um, where I could be respected, where there were boundaries, where I could look after myself, where I could take breaks. And that's how it should be. We shouldn't be working ourselves into the ground. You know, we talk about companies, if they want good employees, they should look after them and treat them well, and then they'll get the best employees. You know, the NHS is full of really creative, talented people. And we, you know, doctors, nurses, everyone working there, it runs on goodwill. And by not looking after our staff, staff are leaving. I mean, I'm talking to people every day. They always message me, oh, I, I've resigned. You know, I've resigned from my partnership. Oh, I've, I've quit. I'm just going to locum now. Um, a nurse, you know, who who is just stopping. And, and they're all looking for other things, which is really, really sad. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um... It's survival. Did you... Um, how, how did you get involved in digital uh, GPing? Digital health. So, again, it's that whole just trying something new, isn't it? Wow. So I remember, so it was probably 2015, and it was really frowned upon. Um, you know, people who were doing that were not good. And a friend of mine, she'd been away, and she she came back, and she's like, oh, I'm working for Babylon. I was like, really? And I was like, how on earth? can you treat anyone online you can't even examine them and she's like no seriously she's like there's a lot you, you know you use video calls it's really it's really easy and she's like she's like for example sore throats she's like I use the centaur criteria you can get them to feel their own neck and she's like a lot of what we do is on the history Sharina and I went into work the next day and I realized that yeah there's a you know 80 percent is from the history and so you know, she's like, you should try it, you should try it. And in the end, I thought, oh, I'll give it a try. So I I applied and, you know, I think back then there were very few doctors. I remember we went we went for a Babylon thing in London and there were only about four doctors there. And it was, but it was all new, you know, different people. They were really young, really young and full of hope, which was really different to the NHS where people are just trying to survive. And it, it was such a nice atmosphere. It's like, I want to be involved in this. This is the future. And that was in 2015, thinking, this is the future of healthcare. And it was. Wow. And and, and how's that experience with Babylon? Yeah, so so I worked for Babylon till I had my son. Um, but then to go back, they wanted me to do fixed shifts. And I didn't want to do fixed shifts. So I left there on good terms and I started working with Dr. Care Anywhere um, because I could choose my shifts. Um, you know, so I was I was a annualized, not annualized, I was a self-employed doctor um, working with Dr. Care Anywhere when I wanted. But then obviously when I left in 2020, I joined them on a fixed shift. And then at the end of 2020, I joined them as a clinical lead. And, and that was life changing. Becoming a clinical lead just taught me all the different transferable skills that doctors have that we don't even realize we have. Um, it's It's been one of the best roles I've ever had. Um, could, could, could you tell us a bit more about that? I mean, I'm, I'm quite intrigued. Yeah. Uh, so just the background, because, you know, as as doctors, you know, we 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 sort of do what we do and we don't look at what goes on behind it so within doctor care anywhere 
you know, I was working as a GP. I'd been there for two years, but the day I joined as a clinical lead, I suddenly got added to all these other channels on Slack and sort of you realize, you know, the teams that's going on, the, the marketing and then like the product to to put things together and um the the best thing for me which I still love is that as a clinical lead I have a group of doctors okay and obviously we have to check our doctors are safe so you you start to watch other people's consultations so to to check it's safe to check they're doing everything they should be you know and I love watching other doctors consult. <laughs> um, it's really interesting, sort of the way people consult, all the different styles. Um, and one one of the things again that's really apparent is that I can I can watch a GP and see, you know, they're they're a brilliant doctor, and then there may be a period of time where they're a bit off. They're not how they are, you know, that rapport doesn't seem to be there with the patient or they're not asking them certain questions. And when you meet with them, you say, well, what's going on? And then and then there'll be something going on in life and you kind of understand. And again, this is why it's so important that we're looking after ourselves because it's the only way we can deliver good quality healthcare. Um, so yeah, so that side of it, I really enjoy. But, you know, as... A clinical lead at the minute I've been able to write write sort of blogs for the company you know that that side of it um, when it comes to making the platform you know just even putting in sort of patient information like how did they get their referral when it's becoming automated doing that seeing how that works and like there's, you know, buttons on there. It used to really annoy me for a fit note. There was a box for private or NHS. Well, we can't do NHS fit notes. And I always used to think, why is that NHS box there? And I used to think, it's really easy. Just take it off. But actually, no, when you speak to someone from product, that is a really complicated process to do. And it would involve doing other things, you know. And, and it's just what you think you know and you don't know. Again, we know nothing. <laughs> You know, it's, it's, yeah, it just opened up a whole new world. Um, it, just fascinating. Yeah. I've, I've, have you thought of taking on sort of any other leadership roles um, within, within healthcare? No. So I, I mean, there's some, there's some roles advertised at the minute, um, but it's again, it's knowing your priorities and what you want. You know, if I just wanted money and to work up to the top of some company, or what have you? Yeah, fine. Start start applying for roles like that. But that's not what's important to me. I I want my autonomy. I want I want to feel like I'm making a difference on an individual level. I like the individual interactions. So, like what I've been doing today. Um, I wanted to be doing my own thing um and I also want time uh you know so my working day with Renew Lifestyle which is my my website now the new website yeah my Renew Lifestyle renew-lifestyle.com um but you know one of the days I met I met a yoga teacher in 
Hartley Whitney, which is this lovely little village. And we went to a coffee shop behind an antique shop and we sat down, we're looking at pricing. So I'm doing a yoga workshop on um, Sunday coming with um, looking at sort of brain health in the menopause and she's doing, you know, yoga for that and we're doing journaling and it might sound woo woo again but you know it's 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 really it's it's more what what I want to do and it was it was nice you know we met up we we did that I came home and it didn't feel like work <laughs> and I, I I like it when work doesn't feel like work um and even you know this morning third appointment with with my lady today and it doesn't feel like work I was looking forward to hearing how she got on what's changed you know looking at you know her sleep patterns improved her blood sugar levels have improved and that it doesn't feel like work and it's 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 there's a passion there um and you feel like you're making a difference yeah yeah and it's quite interesting how I mean when I was doing medicine my 30s and sort of late 30s you know I thought medicine was dead for me so to speak um you know how can I regain that passion I thought no it's gone it's gone forever and I was considering you know leaving medicine whatsoever uh um but now sort of a decade later you know you found a little sort of other part of medicine which you can actually enjoy again and it's yeah. quite you know fascinating that, that that we can go through these different phases of of um of looking at different aspects of medicine yeah, it's like I can't do this till I'm 60, 70. <laughs> what else can I do instead? And it's like actually it's that's that's why that's why I think it's sad because I think a lot of good doctors are leaving the profession because yeah, they don't get that chance. I, I that's where I would really recommend coaching because coaching really helped me. I think it's because of coaching last year that it gave me the oomph to set up renew lifestyle and look at what my priorities were yeah that definitely you know having those profound conversations you know which is why i like you know listening to podcasts and and, and attempting to do podcasts um <laughs> it's, it, you know it's just just you know having those real in-depth soul-searching insights um and just having different perspectives um mm. and you know coaching is a really formal way of doing that you know which is really good um i mean for me i think when i when i went through the whole hypnosis journey back in 2016 um you know that really allowed me to to look into the dark depths of my uh yeah messed up soul <laughs> you know and sort of find all these yeah messed up things that that needed sorting and 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 you know medicine was was part and parcel of the messed up soul i had so it was you know, try try and find the right medicine for me. And you did. Well, yeah, I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm doing my best. I think there's always room for improvement. So I think you know, over the next five years, the kind of style of medicine I'll be practicing will be different to what I'm doing now. So, you know, because how I practice medicine now is different from five years ago. Um, but that's always going to be the case, isn't it? Don't well, I hope so. Yeah, yeah, I hope so. Um, <laughs> I mean, I think the reason why I burnt out is because I was just stagnating and doing the same things over and over again. And um, so, yeah, I don't know what's going to come in the next five to 10 years. 
Um, but I mean, I've got a lot of uh, goals which are not medically orientated, so that's going to be quite interesting. You know, I've I've um, been brave enough to have non-medical goals now. <laughs> you know, whereas before it was all, yeah, medical goals all the time. What's your purpose, Heidi? They say, you, do you have a life purpose? It's meant to be the thing that drives you and makes you live longer. <laughs> yeah, I mean, my life purpose has always been serving others. Um, right. Yeah, so that's always been my life purpose and reducing suffering for other people. Mm. So that's always been um, my number one purpose. And 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 that hasn't fundamentally changed. Um but then you can do it in different ways. It yeah, doesn't have to be through yeah. medicine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It, it, it doesn't have to be through the formal medical channels. I mean, certainly I've become much more comfortable with with religion and spirituality, whereas before it was, you know, it was sort of still um, generally a love-hate relationship, whereas now it's become more of a um, a dynamic relationship that's, constantly evolving do you think um, it's because it was pushed on you initially but now you're choosing it yeah so there's that for sure um no i mean i've just become more mature in my sort of understanding of myself really i think <laughs> you know, um just being more accepting of, of of how complicated i am and, and and how ignorant i am of myself and how there's so much more learned so much more for me to learn about myself and and i think that process allows you to learn about other people so yeah. it's you know it's 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 kind of a, a give and take relationship uh which is why i like sort of speaking to other people and you know i may ask you know nosy questions and a bit too much detail but i'm, I'm just interested and in, you know and see how that can relate to myself and um uh, I mean, when I listen to podcasts, I, I used to listen for information and like, oh, yeah, this is another thing. Whereas now it's just enjoyment and, and you know, just, just enjoying the moment of, of people having a conversation. Um, I think you would have liked old school general practice because part of the beauty of general practice was that you got to hear about people's lives and people are fascinating. Yeah, I think now if I was to go back into medicine, definitely general practice was uh, would be the thing for me. I mean, now I'm 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 you know uh, I talk, I I I enjoy talking to patients more about the general medical condition rather than their optimic condition. <laughs> you know, it's, it, it, you know, I'm 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 fascinated about the whole body, um, mm -hmm. but the but they're here for the eyes. Uh, but you know, in in my letters when I dictate to to general practitioners it's pretty much a general condition thing um and i learned that from my boss you know uh, you know the way that he treats patients is is pretty much um sort of a holistic, holistic. approach um yeah. so uh, you know i quite enjoy that um so new new venture new business that must be very exciting and scary at the same time exactly it's that whole thing isn't it stepping out of your comfort zone um it is it is it was scary it is scary there is that whole financial thing um because I'm you know my main earning is only two days a week now um but you know it's slowly coming but it, it was it's you know learning new things again so learning how to use Squarespace how to 
do a website, um, everything else that comes with it. Um, it's, yeah, but it's exciting. And I also think there's, there's no hurry. I, I'm kind of taking my time with this because I'm, I'm 45, but I feel like from a career point of view that my career is just starting. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. And I, And I feel like I've got time. I'm young. I, I, I feel young. I, you know, I plan to live till I'm 100 because I'm <laughs> following, you know, learning lessons from the blue zones and, you know, following lifestyle medicine. So. Yeah, I mean, that's a real possibility for the majority of us. I think um, we will be working into our 80s, I think. Exactly. Um, I mean, You there's need a to few. be loving what you do. Yeah, yeah. And, and I think, you know, the, the majority of us will be working into our 80s, I think. I mean, I've got a few uh, colleagues that I know who are still working in their 70s. Yeah. So, um, and you've got to think about that seriously. You know, Exactly. And it's... that's the doctors it... who are like, I'm just getting by because I'm nearly retiring. And I think it's really sad to wish your life away. Well, it's a difficult one. It's it's, it's a difficult one because um, you retire and then, but you know, I'm sure there's other But then things. you enjoy Yeah. life. When my dad, my dad's enjoying life. He retired and went on two world cruises when he retired. Yeah. He worked Yeah. hard and um, yeah, now he's enjoying his retirement and he deserves it. Yeah. Yeah. It'll be interesting. Um, I don't know much about what's going to happen for the younger generation, but I think. You know, traditional roles are, uh, are not going to be here anymore. And I think it's going to be, a, you know, a right old uh, myriad of, of uh, different roles and identities. And, and Hopefully uh... change is coming for the better. I really hope so. Um... yeah, yeah, of, of course. I mean, you know, as uh, us being sort of older individuals, we we our job is to give hope to the younger generation. You know, that's that's our job. <laughs> <laughs> Not that we do a good job, but, you know, that's. well, actually, do you know what I'm doing tonight? Tonight I go to a local practice and I'm doing group consultations for the menopause. Mm. And And that's... I, I think group consultations in the NHS are the way forward because you get a whole load of people together. Um, Group as in patients and doctors. patients. Yeah, no, so Oh, I'm the doctor, there's yeah. a facilitator, and it's normally about 10 women. And so there's general where they have questions and we go through things generally, and then they have five minutes each individual. So some of them may want HRT and we go through that and... Um, You know, that's just menopause. You can do it for diabetes. You can do it for lots of conditions. But actually, it improves access. The patients love it. The feedback from group consultations is always great. And as, as a doctor, any doctor doing group consultations, they're really nice. They're really fulfilling, rewarding. They're great. Um, Why why do you think they enjoy it or, you know, that the feedback is good? well, first of all, they're getting they're getting an hour and a half. Yeah, of time and particularly for menopause that peer support some of them just sit there and when someone else opens up it's like I that's that's my experience too or oh I never even thought that was a thing yeah and it yeah it's that it's that peer support and again it's connection community that we lack these days that yeah it's bringing that back
Oh, that's lovely. So, you know, you can amalgamate that with, with the whole medical experience and, you know, so-called establishment. Yeah, that's my that's my NHS bit. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, you know, we've all got to find a way back to the NHS, I think. I think that's a reasonable... <laughs> So I think that's, that's reasonable. You on know. my terms. In fact, the yeah. bless, bless, I mean, amazing practice, lovely, lovely um, Rupert. I, I contacted her and said, oh, I'm, I'm local. I do group consultations if you need anyone for menopause. She's like, brilliant, come on board. You can be salaried. You know, And I said, no, 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 I'm not doing any, you know, normal things. <laughs> it's fine. I was just letting you know. And then she came back and said, actually, we can fund this through out of hours. Um, if you're interested still and, and it's like yes brilliant and you know it benefits them and it benefits me and and the patients benefit that's win-win yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, you know always on your terms is always a good thing I think yeah great uh, it's it's been absolutely great um, listening to you and and listening to your journey um, I like to end on this question for most of my um, guests um, what would be your uh, advice to yourself sort of about to start medical school at I presume at 18 what would you what would be your three top uh, sort of tips to yourself back then having experienced what you've experienced over the last few decades wow starting again at medical school oh my goodness first of all I think um don't worry what other people are doing or what other people think do what you want um so find your find your passion and go after that um so that would be number one um number two i'm trying to think back some sort of self-care routine i i think you know that was severely lacking in medical school so i think um join some clubs, get active. I mean, this is the time where you make such friendships. If, you know, if, if they're there, seek out your tribe, as it were, you know. Um, so if you're doing what you feel passionate about, hopefully you'll be with other people that feel passionate about the same things and you can build each other up. So, so not, find just your tribe. Buckets. not just KFC buckets, not just KFC buckets. To be fair, I did find my tribe. We were alcoholics and we ate drunk. Uh, ate, 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 <laughs> Ain't junk, not drunk. We were drunk, drunk and alcoholics, which is terrible, isn't it? I have fun. I know, so you still have fun. <laughs> but don't destroy yourself in the process. So find your tribe, find your passion, and and just believe that believe in the universe. The universe looks after you. Everything will work out in the end. So even if things seem bad. They will not always be bad. The bad things teach you a life lesson. You will learn from it and you will get stronger from it. Awesome. Awesome. And and um you mentioned the website. How 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 can people get hold of you and and uh, if they want to find out more about your uh Yeah, so um it's in, it's you know, lifestyle, integrated, <laughs> plants, yeah. everything so... <laughs> groups. <laughs> I am um, I I am on uh, www.renew-lifestyle.com and yeah um you can my my email is there I'm on LinkedIn as well obviously if you're just wanting to 
chat. I seem to do a lot of calls with people just on LinkedIn at the minute. talking. Intense, to people. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, and yeah, and I, I you know, so I'm, I'm doing the lifestyle consultations. I do coaching and I do um, talks as well. So. Awesome. Thank you so much. Thank you. Hi, Des. Lovely to speak to you.